So I want to start tonight with, with a question. And I, I want each of you to answer that question personally and, and honestly. And it's a very simple question. The question is this. How is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God really? You know, for some of you, the answer might be, man, my relationship with God right now, it is growing and thriving. Man, coming off of, of Movement Weekend, man, I've been, been growing. I've been spending time in God's Word. I feel really close and connected to God. This is the, the, the best my relationship with God has, has ever been. For some of you in this room, your answer to that might be, man, right now, my relationship with God, it's really struggling. Man, I, I've got some doubts. I've got some frustrations. I'm hurting. Me and God just don't seem as close as we used to, and, and I'm just really struggling in my faith. I'm really struggling in my relationship with God right now. For some of you, you, you might be honest and say, you know what, Matthew, like, my, my relationship with God, it's, it's kind of non-existent. Like, I don't really even know what I think about this God thing. I, I don't really pray. I, I don't really know what I believe. I don't really have much of a relationship with God at all. But for many in this room, I think your answer to this question would, would be, my relationship with God is, it's just kind of average. It, it, it's kind of mediocre. It's kind of so-so. Like, it's not, it's certainly not bad, but it's definitely not great. You know, it's not, not falling apart right now, but, you know, it's not really growing. I, it's not really thriving. It's not that you don't care about God. It's not that you don't care about your relationship with him. You just, you sort of feel stuck. You feel stagnant. You feel like you're not really moving forward. There hasn't really been a whole lot of momentum with your relationship with God. And if that's you tonight, here's what I want you to know. You are not alone. You are not alone in that feeling. Every single follower of Jesus has seasons of life where their faith just isn't as strong. Where they are not as excited and passionate and committed as they once were. And listen, seasons like that are perfectly normal. We all go through those seasons. I go through those seasons. But the problem is when seasons turn into a pattern. When a couple of weeks turns into a couple of months. Or a couple of months turns into a couple of years. And this kind of average, mediocre, so-so faith really becomes the new normal for you. And you just find yourself stagnant in your relationship with God. You're no longer growing. You're no longer thriving. You just feel stuck and don't really know how to move forward. You're just kind of, with, have this average faith. There's not a whole lot happening. So tonight, we're gonna look at a passage found in Revelation chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to go ahead and open up there. And here, the apostle John he is recording the words of Jesus to seven different churches. Jesus is speaking to these seven churches, and these are literal, actual churches that existed at this time in history. And tonight, we're going to see a church that found itself in this pattern. They were stuck in this average, mediocre faith. And I think if we're honest tonight, we're going to see a lot of ourselves in these people. We're going to see a lot of ourselves in this church. And in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14, John writes this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write this. 
These are the words of the amen, meaning these are the words of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So Jesus, he's getting ready to address this church in a city called Laodicea. And here's what we know about this city. This city was one of the wealthiest and most prominent cities in the world. It was the fashion capital of the world at that time. That's where you'd get a shirt like this from in those days. It was the fashion capital of the world. And rich people, they would travel miles to go shopping in this city and to buy clothes from there. It was also the medical center of the Roman Empire. They were incredibly advanced in their, their medical technology. This was like a, a, a modern-day New York City, L.A., Miami, and this church it had been planted in one of the most significant cities in all of the Roman Empire. They live in this incredible place. And listen to what Jesus says to them, starting in verse 15. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Jesus says, I, I know your deeds. I know how you're living. And you're not hot and you're not cold. And I wish you would just pick one. You're not hot and you're not cold. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute about a cup of coffee. How many, how many coffee drinkers do we have in here? All right, you love some coffee. Now, most people love either a, a nice hot cup of coffee and you got people who love a, a nice iced coffee. Now, I, I, I love some, some hot coffee, but nine times out of 10, I'm going with the iced coffee. I don't care what time of the year it is. I don't care how cold it is. I'm getting myself a nice coffee. But here's what nobody likes. Here's what nobody orders, unless you're like you're a psychopath. Nobody wants a lukewarm cup of coffee. You know that, that, that iced coffee that you pick up on the, the, the way to school in the morning from Dunkin' or Starbucks, and you drink about half of it, and you leave it in your car for like seven hours? And when you get back in your car at like 3, 4 p.m., all of the, the ice has melted and like the, the coffee is this weird color and the creamer is kind of floating at the top. Like that's a lukewarm cup of coffee. Nobody's drinking that. Or that hot cup of coffee that you pour in the morning. It tastes good. You, you drink a few sips and you set it in the sink for the rest of the day. And at the end of the day, when you're doing the dishes or your mom's doing the dishes for you, you're looking at that coffee and there's just stuff kind of swirling there on the top. That creamer is starting to get a little, a little chunky. Like that's a lukewarm cup of coffee. Nobody would order that. Nobody would drink that. But listen, listen. Jesus is describing this church as being lukewarm in their faith, lukewarm in their relationship with God. They're like that nasty cup of coffee. They're not hot, meaning that they don't have this, this deep desire for Jesus. They're not growing and pursuing him and, and moving forward in their faith. But at the same time, they're not cold either. It's not like they've turned their back on Jesus. It's not like they've walked away from, from their faith. They're simply lukewarm. They become complacent. They become complacent. What does, it, what does it mean to be complacent? Complacency is a feeling of, of self-satisfaction, where you are satisfied with, with who you are and how far you've come, and, and, and you're good. 
You don't see a need to grow. You don't need to see a, a need to improve or make progress. Like, you're good with where you are. You're, you've arrived. You're set. You're fine maintaining the, the status quo. And, and, and students, hear me tonight. Unfortunately, I think many Christians, many followers of Jesus have fallen into a spiritual complacency where they're no longer growing and maturing in their faith. They aren't becoming more and more like Jesus, and they're just fine with it. They're fine with their, where they are. They're fine with who they are. They're fine with who they've become. They don't have this desire, this hunger to know God more, to grow in their relationship, and that's what these believers in this church had, had kind of settled into, and, and, and God is saying, like, I, I, I wish you would just pick. Like, just pick hot or cold. Stop trying to do this, this both and thing. And listen to how he responds to them in verse 16. He says, so because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. How does Jesus feel about their complacency, about them being lukewarm? It doesn't say that he's mad about it. It doesn't say that he's disappointed. It says that it makes him want to vomit. Like, it makes him sick. You see, spiritual complacency is one of the most offensive things to Jesus. In fact, he says, I would rather you just be cold towards me. Like, if you're not really in this, if you're not really wanting to follow me, I would rather you just be cold towards me. Because then at least you want to be a hypocrite. Then at least your actions and the way you live would actually match up with what is going on inside of your heart. He's saying, would you just pick? Hot or cold, in or out, are you going to follow me or not? And then listen to what he says in verse 17. He says, well, you say I, I am rich and I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize, you're not aware that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become truly rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put in your eyes so you can see. And here, Jesus is pointing to the root. He's pointing to the source of their spiritual complacency, of their lukewarm faith. The believers in this church had become completely self-sufficient completely self-reliant. They were wealthy. They had nice stuff. They had nice clothes. They were medically advanced. They had all they could ever want, all they could ever need. And as a result, they felt like we don't need God for anything. We're good on our own. We can take care of ourselves. If we want something, we can go and, and grab it for ourselves. We don't need God for anything. But Jesus says their self-sufficiency, their self-reliance, it's made them unaware. It's created some, some blind spots in their lives. And although they felt rich and they felt comfortable and they felt secure, Jesus said, you know what's actually going on? You are wretched, you're pitiful, poor, and blind. Although they looked fine on the outside, although it seemed like they had everything together, Jesus says, you are missing something on the inside. You see, their self-sufficiency, it was just an illusion. 
because they were actually lacking. They were actually missing what they needed most. And Jesus says, look, you need a different kind of gold. You need a different kind of clothing, a different kind of sight. And these things, they can't be found in in yourself. They can't be found in, in your stuff, in your accomplishments, and what you can accumulate. These can only come from God. God is the only one who can give you what you need most. And I think that this, this church and Laodicea, this church that existed hundreds of years ago, it's really a, a, a perfect reflection and representation of, of the church in America today. You see, as, as, as Christians here in the United States, we have more resources than any other Christians in the world. We have our money. We have our cars, we have our shoe collection, we have our iPhones, we have our gaming systems. Like, we have all of this stuff, more stuff than we could ever possibly need. And as a result of all of this stuff that we have, we have become incredibly self-sufficient. We're comfortable, we're safe, we're secure, and if we're honest, there's very little There's very little that we rely on from God on a day-to-day basis. And because of this self-sufficiency, I think many Christians have lost their their passion, have lost their, their desire and their hunger for God, and here's why. Because without dependence on God, we lose desire for God. When we don't depend on God, when we don't feel like we need him, we lose our desire for him. When we stop looking to God to meet our needs, we stop looking to God at all. And this self-sufficiency, this self-reliance, it begins to produce complacency. We stop desiring and pursuing God. We stop growing and becoming more like Jesus, and we end up being just lukewarm, apathetic in our faith. And I think just like this, this church in Laodicea, for, for, for many of us, our self-sufficiency, it has made us blind. It's made us blind to, to what we need most. It's made us blind to our deepest spiritual needs. Things like, like purpose in life. Things like, like true joy. Things like, like peace, acceptance, unconditional love, what we need most. And students, we can't find these things in ourselves. We can't find these things in in our stuff or our accomplishments or our relationships. In fact, we can't find these things anywhere in the world. These deepest needs, these deepest desires, they are only met through a growing, active, thriving relationship with Jesus. But have you become so self-sufficient that you have stopped depending on God for anything? And has that self-sufficiency, that self-reliance created complacency in your life where you've stopped growing, you've stopped seeking after God, and you've just become stuck in your faith? For the next few minutes, what what I want to do is I want to just give you four signs, four indicators that you may have fallen into a a, a lukewarm faith, 
that you may have fallen into to a spiritual complacency, some things to, to look at and to evaluate your, your life with. The first indicator is this, is that you're stuck in the same sin that you were a year ago. You see, when you become spiritually complacent, you stop fighting and you stop resisting sin in your life. And you begin to, to say things like, you know what, I'm just always going to struggle with this. It's just part of who I am and, and everyone needs to accept it. Look, I'm just always going to have a temper. I'm always going to be a gossip. I'm always going to struggle with lust. It's just, just part of who I am. And, and, and you stop making progress in that area of your life. You stop pursuing accountability for that sin. You stop asking God for his help. You stop putting boundaries in place to protect yourself. And you just start to accept that that sin is always going to be a part of your life. Now, I'm not saying that if you are are, are following Jesus and growing in your faith, that you're not going to struggle with sin. Listen, we are always going to have areas in our life, areas of sin that we need to deal with. But here's here's what I want you to catch. The sin that you're dealing with today, April 20th, 2022, the sin that you're dealing with today should be different than the sin you were dealing with a year ago. Or you should at least be making progress in that area of your life. I'm not talking about perfection, but I am talking about the direction of your life. You should be moving forward. You should be seeing victory over it. You should be making progress in that area. Like God should be removing different sins from your life today than he was a year ago. He should be going deeper inside your heart where he's not just cleaning up your your outward behavior and the way that you talk. But he's really beginning to, to, to change your motivations He's beginning to to clean up and work on the inside. But when we become spiritually complacent, we stop making progress. We stop seeing victory over sin in our life. The second indicator is this. You lack desire for God's word. See, when you become spiritually complacent, you lack the desire to spend time in God's word. And you can go days, weeks, months without ever opening your Bible. Because it's not really a priority in your life. You don't see it as important or necessary. You don't see it as the, the source of growth in your life. And, and coming on Wednesday night or coming on Sunday morning and hearing a lesson taught, man, that's just good enough for you. You don't really need it. But listen, a, a, a hunger and a desire for God's word is a sign, it's an indicator of an active and growing faith. Because God's word, the Bible, scripture, it is the ultimate catalyst for growth in our life. It encourages us, it convicts us, it challenges us, it pours gas on the flames of, uh, of our faith. In fact, listen to what Paul says about it in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says this, all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful, it's helpful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, I've, I've never met a follower of Jesus 
who is growing and thriving in their relationship with God who did not prioritize spending time in God's word. Every single Christian with a growing active faith makes God's word a priority. They're not perfect in their Bible reading. They don't have some 5,000-day streak on, on the Bible app. I'm not talking about that. But they see God's word as the ultimate source of growth and change in their life. They make it a priority. But when we become spiritually complacent, when we, our, our, our faith becomes lukewarm, we stop having a desire for his word. The third sign is this. You go to God for what you can get from him not because you love him. What, what is the, the primary focus of your prayer life? Is the, the primary focus of, of your prayer life spending time with God in relationship, being with him, hearing from him? Or is your prayer life all about you asking God to do something for you? where really the only time you turn to God, the only time you pray is when, God, I've got a problem. God, I've got a situation. God, I need you to do something in my life. You see, when you are spiritually complacent, prayer becomes all about you. You don't go to God anymore because of who he is. You don't go to God because you want to spend time with him. You go to God based on what you can get from God. And you give God your demands. God, here's what I need, here's what I want, but you withhold your devotion from God. Look, our prayers, the prayers that we pray, they reveal our priorities. Our prayers, they reveal what is in our heart. And when our prayer life is less about who God is, and it's more about what we can get from God, then we have probably become spiritually complacent. And finally, number four, you rarely talk about God in your conversations. You see, we talk about what we're passionate about. When we go see a new movie, when we watch a playoff game, when we try a new restaurant, when we take a vacation, like we want to tell people about it because we're excited about it, we're passionate about it, and it just naturally comes up in our conversation when we're texting our friends, when we see them at school, we just wanna tell them about it. But when we are spiritually complacent, we don't really tend to talk about God, because when God isn't really doing much in our lives, there really isn't much for us to say about him. And I, I just wonder tonight, like how often is God coming up in your conversations? How often do you talk about him? Because when you are growing and God is working in your life, it will just naturally flow out of you. It will naturally come up in your conversations because we talk about what we're passionate about. We talk about what we get excited about. So maybe you're sitting there tonight and, and, and you're starting to recognize, man, I, I, I may be spiritually complacent. And my faith, I, I, I think it's lukewarm. Like, I, I, I'm not growing. I don't have this desire for God that, that I used to have. So if that's you, like, what, what do you do? How do you overcome this complacency? Well, listen to what Jesus says next in verse 19. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke 
and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if you've grown up in church, you may have, have heard this verse before and, and you know, somebody quoted and said, hey, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking on your heart and he wants you to invite him in. And typically this verse is, is used to encourage somebody to, to make a first-time decision for Jesus, to, to pray a prayer of salvation and to, to ask Jesus into their heart. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus is actually talking to a group of believers. He's talking to Christians who are inside a church, and he has found himself outside the walls of this church. And these Christians, they have become so self-sufficient, so self-reliant, so complacent in their faith that they didn't even realize Jesus isn't even in the building anymore. Jesus is outside our church knocking at the door. And nobody's paying attention. Nobody's listening. Nobody's letting him in. And I just wonder tonight, like, is, is that a picture of your life? Have you become so self-sufficient with, with what you have and what you've accomplished and the relationships in your life that you really don't look to God for anything anymore? And have you become so complacent and just so lukewarm and apathetic that when you, you, you start to evaluate, you realize, man, Jesus really hasn't been a part of my life for quite a while. Like I'm living my life, I'm doing my thing, and Jesus is outside the door and Jesus is just knocking. And I've just been living my life. Listen, if you have become spiritually complacent, if you're lukewarm in, in, in your faith, it's not because God has left you. It's not because God has stopped pursuing you. It's not because God has given up on you. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's because you have closed the door and you have stopped looking to God as the only one who can meet your deepest needs in life. But students, here's the good news tonight. Jesus is simply waiting on you to open up the door, to invite him back to the center of your life and to see him as the only one who can meet your greatest needs. Listen to how Jesus finishes this. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And right now, all throughout this room, I believe that Jesus is knocking on some doors right now. There are many of you, you have walked in here tonight and your faith is lukewarm. You have grown complacent. It's not that you're not a follower of Jesus. It's not that God has left you. It's that you have been living your life and you have stopped looking to God to meet your needs. And Jesus said to be earnest and repent, meaning to respond quickly, to turn in the other direction, to turn from your self-reliance, to turn from your complacency, and to turn to him. And Jesus says, if you will just open that door, if you will just let me back in the center of your life, I will come and join you and eat with you and be with you and meet the greatest needs 
in your heart and in your life. So tonight, as we, as we wrap up, now I want to give you that opportunity to invite Jesus back into the center, to repent, to turn in the other direction, to turn from your complacency, to turn from your self-sufficiency, and to look to God to meet your greatest needs. So with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and no one's looking around right now. Now, I just I want to speak to to those of you who, and you you are a Christian. You are a a follower of Jesus, man. But when you when you honestly answer that question, how is your relationship with God, man? You 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 would have to say, man, my my faith is lukewarm. I have grown complacent in my relationship. If, if, if that's you tonight, man, I just, I just want to ask you right now to just to look up at me. Just look up at me. Listen, God has not moved away from you. God has not stopped pursuing you. God has not stopped caring about you. God has been there the entire time. Tonight, he's knocking, and he wants back into the center of your life. He wants to be the one that you turn to. And as we sing here in a minute, as we respond, I just want to invite you, I want to encourage you to call out to him tonight, to surrender to Jesus, to invite him back into the center. So God, we love you. We thank you that you don't give up on us, that you don't stop pursuing us. And God, for those of us in here, God, who have grown apathetic, who have stopped desiring you, who have stopped seeking you and looking to you tonight, God, I pray that tonight would be the night where they would turn back to you, where they would respond to your voice, they would respond to your Holy Spirit. God, that they would open that door and begin to look to you as the only one who can meet their greatest needs. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray this. Amen.